Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 70. I'm going to drink some water. Smart. Always a good idea. <coughs> of sports, clicks, and politics. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us. Pleasure as always. How was your weekend? My weekend was wonderful. All right. Yes. Anything uh, specific you like to, of wonderfulness you'd like to enlighten us with or uh, just an overall uh, euphoric experience? I mean, you? an overall very, very good weekend. We went uh, Saturday over to the American Ninja Warrior Jim in uh, Township 5 over in Camillus. Charlie's Ice Cream sold some ice cream there. Wow. It's fun. Uh, fully masked. Wow. Yes. And uh, somebody explained to me that the t- it was a tournament. Uh, it was a bunch of kids okay. competing at different age groups. And somebody explained to me that they had to wear masks on Saturday because that was the younger kids. But on Sunday, you didn't have to wear a mask because that was the adults. And so the masks were there to protect the children. Oh. Because they're not vaccinated. I mean, science. Hashtag science 2021. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, uh, it was still a good event. The kids yeah. had a lot of fun, ran into people I know and I like. Uh, and then that evening had a wonderful dinner party uh, that was a great time with good friends. And then Did Sunday. Did you incorporate the uh, American Ninja thing into dinner at all? Or, no. Uh, you just kind of, okay. I left it That alone. could have been I had to put a mask on. That would have been great in. for the folks at home. Just I had to have a mask in, in an Uber, too. Like, I had a masked weekend here, man. Wow. It was weird. Yeah. And then Sunday I went over to Buffalo, saw my in-laws, and uh, went did a little pumpkin picking, corn maze, all that stuff. So it was a very fun All the weekend. obligatory fall items, it sounds Yeah, like. we checked them check, all off check the Checked a list. lot of boxes. That's it. How about you? How I was worked, your weekend? Just like I do every weekend. Sounds super fun. I, I take the rest of the week off after I work the weekends. It's pretty much how it is. So here you I am. You basically have a five Here I am weekend. on my day off. Oh, there you go. That's good. Well, we got some uh, breaking news we'll probably get to at the end of the show. Uh, you got her, uh, Colin Powell died. I did hear that. Um, were you uh, interlinked with uh, his tenure at all? Uh, not as... Like in an official capacity? Yes, but not enough to okay. matter, obviously. Okay. He well, I mean, I don't think you're reporting to him on a daily basis kind of thing. I was just wondering if your terms overlapped. <laughs> they did They <laughs> okay. did overlap, okay. yes. Um, well, we'll get into that to the end of the show. We'll get into uh, Joe Rogan taking on CNN and Sanjay Gupta. Yeah. For, all, for all the common sense folks out there in the world, just asking some basic questions of uh, the media people, I think he did okay. Um, we got updating some stories that we uh going to talk about. Lieutenant Scheller, I got an article I want to touch base nice. on. Nice. Uh, Hunter Biden's laptops makes a reappearance here on the show. You're excited about that? We're like the only people still talking I know. about it. It's still fun for me. <laughs> oh, I agree. Um, we got some hometown news uh, in a couple ways. Uh New York State, uh, we had a judge uh, shoot down uh, uh, the assertion that medical uh, professionals cannot seek uh, religious exemptions, so uh, that was kind of overturned, so those are back on the table. Man. Uh, So if you have uh, uh, filed for one and was turned away, if you're a medical professional, you can, uh, I would redo that. Uh, Other hometown news, kind of, uh, Kyrie banned by the Nets. Amazing. After, you know, he was only going to uh, be disallowed to play home games, the Nets were like, screw it, we're just not going to have you be part of the team. Um, talk about that a little bit. Uh, we got some NFL week, week six stuff to, to touch base. Your, your NFL week six begins today. Let's go, baby. Bills in Tennessee, right? Bills in Tennessee. That's exciting. Bills Mafia has taken over Nashville from what I can gather. Oh, yeah? 
I do you mean, have, do you have uh, on like uh, beat reporters down there who are reporting for Scap on us? I've got my Twitter feed, which oh, admittedly okay. is a little skewed towards Buffalo people over Nashville people. I will acknowledge that, but still, it's overwhelming. I'm yeah. just, I'm just playing around, but it is a lot of people that I know because I've read somewhere like somebody put it out. Some stranger that I don't know said. Bill's backers taking over Nashville today. And I was like, who the hell is going to go from Buffalo to Nashville on a Monday night game? Oh, and then all the people I know, they're all there. I, all I could do is laugh like, yeah, my friends, that makes sense. That's, well, that I mean, people have figured right. out how, how to uh, work away from home or, you know, and do stuff a little differently in this era. So maybe this That's is true. just a more flexible society, able to pack it up and get out there on a Monday. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess. You know, I mean, plus they're hot, right? I mean, Bills fans, you never had this before. Oh. I mean, well, at least de- decades anyway. No, listen, we had it last year somewhat, but even then right. it was kind of a, are they, aren't they, is this Right, legit? but you weren't, you were like going into, in week one, you're like Super Bowl or bust, right? This year, yes. Yeah, right. Last year wasn't necessarily no. that. Last so, year was, they got a shot. Right, you got, you got the Chiefs. Everybody kind of thought the Chiefs were it and, you know. But the Bills were, uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be contenders, and it, it turned yes. out to be true. Yes, I agree, and that's why it is fun to watch. And this is new for us. And Buffalo ultimately is, for all of its wonderful qualities as a city, is in the same light of Green Bay. It's too small to be an NFL city, so as a result, the Bills are just disproportionately huge, and it makes for an amazing experience. Like how much the team matters is unbelievable to the city that you just—it's not capable of getting that same type of affection and love in New York, Chicago, like. This the small city feel, but it's it's huge. And uh, I would equate that to Syracuse basketball, though. Like, yeah, and we're, for we're, sure. And, and obviously, we haven't been able to experience that in uh, probably decades as well. But so, but when they're you know number one seed kind of caliber teams, yeah. like the whole cra- the whole city is crazy. It's the whole thing crazy in a good way. Yep. So, uh, any other uh, week six uh, takes away? Uh, we'll get to my uh, power five here in a little bit, but. Uh, Anything surprised you or anything uh, that you think we should know right off the top? I may have been overlooking the Texans as one of the bottom five teams. Uh, The Jets, not the Jets, I'm sorry. The Dolphins are making a credible claim to get put into that category. I Um, mean, they're on the Jaguars uh, home home team, uh, home court over there in London. Obviously. What's Uh, it called? A pitch. The pitch. They're on on the home (laughs) pitch. Um, But other than that, uh, the... The Chiefs, like we said last week, are still an exceptionally good football team. Like, yes, they lost some games, but their, their schedule's also been absurd. Super talented. Right. And they are still an amazing football team. Patrick Mahomes is still not overrated as a quarterback. Uh, the Browns showing a few uh, chinks in the armor. Is that, am I allowed to say that? Uh, in that context, I'm okay, right? Yeah, I don't think that word means the same thing. Is that not? Armor is made up of chinks. Okay, right? so I'm good. Or it's like, well, you don't want chinks, but right. it's the... Uh, a yeah, chink in the armor is different. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure. Yeah, we're clear. Too we're good. Um, and so, yeah, the Browns are looking less impressive, and the Cardinals just might be for real. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to them. They're obviously still going to stay number one. Uh, not much shakeup at the top of the uh, power list for me. But, yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, you said, I thought that was a game where, you know... In the right, there, there was there was pass out there for them to lose that game, and sure. they didn't. And uh, again, still undefeated. So, um, yeah, nothing really stood out. I mean, I, my Steelers got to play last night. Geno Smith, I didn't even know he's still in the league. I didn't either. I, I literally didn't. I was like, I looked at my fantasy team. I looked at my. I was like, Geno Smith, like the Geno Smith. I like, s- yep. Oh, it's the Geno Smith. I remember. I saw like, how is this man still in the league? And then he <laughs> played. And all I can take away is, how is this man still in the league? 
Well, they took a walk-off field goal from the powerhouse Steelers to powerhouse to beat, Steelers. Well, they beat your Bills. Oh, my bad. You're I right. Mean, just saying. You're right. They did. Um, so basically, what you're saying is Geno Smith is on par with the Bills. That's just logic. Uh, yeah. I okay. guess. Just making sure. But I agree. Obviously. So let's do, let's do that. You have a, a a week five or however you want to call it. What's that? What's your uh, bottom five? The bottom feeders? Oh, my what bottom feeders? What do you call them? I was going to go through my top five. I was just ready if you were ready for your bottom five. I, I, I know you were just talking about it here. We have, other, we have a bunch of stuff to get to, so I'm going to cut the NFL co- talk short. Okay. But I have the Cardinals number one. Should be. Yeah. I still have your Bills number two. I agree. Um, I have Tampa Bay still number three. I agree again. Now, the next three... The, the picking the next two out of the next three teams, I felt like was uh, I, I couldn't go Splitting wrong. Splitting hairs, yeah. Uh, which are the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Packers, and that's the order I went with. The Cowboys, the Ravens, fill out my top or yeah, my power five. So you got the Cowboys, Ravens, and Packers all above the Chiefs still. Yes, I got to disagree. And with you Baltimore. On that one. I disagree. Okay, I We're, think the who, Chiefs. Who are you putting them ahead of? I would put the Chiefs ahead of all three of them. I know that's bold, and I, I their defense can't stop anybody, dude. I get it, but their offense is so good. Okay, again, their offense is absurd, and their defense, as much as it can't stop anybody, not many teams can keep up with that scoring. And you got to have the right personnel to stop them. If you don't have the exact right personnel, you you're not. Yeah, well, stopping you're not them really stopping them at all. But if you yeah, the just Bills the, stopped them to the tune of twenty eight. There, there are definitely pass to beat the Chiefs because their defense is so weak. So. Like I said, you get a couple sacks. You get a, you know they have to pass so much because you know I don't know. Damian Williams looking like a, the real deal at running back. I think it's Darrell Williams. My bad. Time. Not at all biased because I picked him up on a fantasy football yeah. team. Damian so Williams should... is the former Chief, now Chicago Bear. Him too. He's uh, hurt. <laughs> but just go. All right, so I'll keep an eye on the Chiefs. I I don't I just I don't know. You're not there. That's fair. I, their defense is so weak right now. I would so at least include them in that four. Of you could put like any right now, one the of Dallas, them out there. The Dallas and Baltimore's defense the last couple of weeks have really kind of come together. I feel like so. I like disagree. now I feel like okay, they can score. Both those quarterbacks can. Both those teams can score. Agreed. Because uh, Baltimore less so, and the Packers can definitely score. They just their defense is not as good as the other ones. But your defense gave up thirty or twenty eight points to the Patriots. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just not impressed by that. They've, like, that defense is not that good. It's okay. But 28 from the Patriots with Mac Jones under center. And who are their wide receivers again? Who, Dallas? No. New England. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers. 1,500 receiving yards with no touchdowns. Only time it's ever happened in NFL history. That's an anomaly, right? I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, he, the, the thing is going to happen. He's going to score like five touchdowns. In oh three yeah, games. at some point, so you should buy low on your daily fantasy yeah, with him for soon. Sure. But I, I and listen, I don't mean to be smirch or be little Josh McDaniels. It's just it's not a very talented offense, and they're they're scoring points that the defense should not be giving up. Yeah, not a really know. good defense anyway. So I'm not sold on that. The Ravens, I still don't know how to take. They're just one of those one game, one Lamar Jackson game away from beating you. Like he can literally beat any team by himself. Right, a hundred, like literally can beat any team by himself just with one game. He get breaks a couple runs. He, you know, he can throw anywhere on the field. Like he's, he's a problem. Yeah, he's and you just literally you can have the best game plan and like he just beats it anyway. So, um, I don't know. And they're like I said, I find like. I, I was kind of worried about the Ravens defense because usually that's what they're known for, but they're kind of they've been average, I guess, which yeah. is terrible. And Ravens defense, 
you know, ratings, comparisons, anyway, right, right, being right. average is terrible. So, um, I don't know. I'm starting to see some some glimmers of that defense again. So, and if they can that they can compete. And Mark Andrews is a man. Yeah, he's great. And like I said, they have a, a, a first round receiver pick that just played his first game yesterday. So, I mean, we'll see. I was on the receiving end of a backdoor loss on fantasy football last week because I don't remember how much I was up, but Mark Andrews put up 47 points. And he had one other guy in the game. I don't remember who it was. And I lost by one. I went into Monday night without even paying attention to it because I was so confident that that game was over. And then I woke up Tuesday and was like, oh, what happened? (laughs) Like, how? And then I looked at the stat line and went, Oh, son of a gun. Yeah, well, like I said, you can hit those. Those, are, so, those suck. Yeah, no, I've been on the receiving them. My, my, if I wanted to go into a 1996 fantasy bowl uh, uh, comeback, I would, but I'm not. All right, that's fine. We can move on. Let's move on to Kyrie Irving. Yes. Maybe Cole Beasley. Hey, Kyrie Irving's version number 11, too, I think. Something about the number. It's also my wife's lucky number. What if everybody starts wearing number 11? I'm in. I'm on board. So Kyrie Irving, who uh, maybe you guys know is uh, unvaccinated and publicly basically saying he's never getting the vaccine. So uh, we have that to kind of go for uh, a position to start from. Um, Because of New York City uh, mandates, uh, he is not allowed in the building where the Nets play. Um, Awesome. Yeah. Well, he wasn't allowed in there. He was out under others, either under practices or controlled circumstances because the, pop, the the amount of people in the building didn't quantify being having to evacuate, you know, get the institute the rules or whatever. Sure. So, but when there's crowds and when there's games, he would be ineligible to being in the building, being unvaccinated. So he was going to be ineligible to play in any of the Nets home games. Um, in response to that, the Nets have been like said, okay, well, we're not going to have a part-time player trying to figure out uh, lineups and such and uh, whatever. We're not. We're just not going to let you play at all. So uh, Kyrie Irving is home. I believe he's still collecting a paycheck. I haven't heard otherwise. Uh, I mean, he's got a bunch of money. I'm guessing at some point he might forego that that contract. I'm not sure how that all goes. I, don't I think, think he, he has cares. to miss game checks for all home games, but for the away games that he would be eligible, I think they still have to play him. So he pay him. He, yeah. So we'll see how that. I mean, I don't think the money is going to change him clearly. So uh, he's kind of a, a a rare bird in general. So um, just more havoc. Being wrecked, uh, wreaked, wreaked on uh, society and uh, you know life as we know it, if you will. Do you think that has anything to do? Any comments on that, real quick? I, I think mean, it's a shame. Like we've stopped following science altogether. And Kyrie Irving, don't get me wrong, he stopped following science too, though. Yeah, he's nuts. I mean, he believes in flatter. Well, I don't know if he still believes. I don't in flatter, know if he believes he was, it. He was into it for a little. I while. think he gets lumped into that. It was but fun it, to go down that path for a while. I mean, look. You start to ask questions because they do. I, I'm not a flat earther. I don't no. believe the earth is flat. I, I'm not that guy. When you start like reading some of the points they make, you go, oh, that is interesting, actually. And I never yeah. thought about that. But it, I like the conclusion is so ridiculous that you're like, all right, let's pump the brakes. But you see how you get sucked in. You're like, all right, got to pull myself back a little bit. You guys start to make too much sense. I'm out. And it's and I shouldn't say start to make too much sense. It's like you could see where they're drawing conclusions that really shouldn't be drawn. But if you're if you're inundated with it, that makes sense. And Kyrie Irving basically said that. Like, I, you know, look, I don't know. I'm not saying it is, but they, this and this and this. But he's definitely anti-vaxxer. He's definitely an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> 100%. And, like, it's easy to lump somebody in with that. But it was, I, I, here's my thing, I guess, on flat earth. D- does it turn out the earth is flat? Okay. Don't step over the edge. Right. I, like, <laughs> wh- I, whatever. Fine. Um, uh, cool. I don't think so. But whatever. 
Uh, if if you do, I haven't been high enough up to check. I, you know what? Let's get a ladder. Let's just let's just start. Maybe we call Bezos. Oh. Maybe we call our boy Jim Contrell out in. Uh, there you go. Yeah, get a rocket. Yeah, a I sca- just the first scap rocket. The first scap rocket. The I'll first start and last. A GoFundMe, <laughs> and we'll see what we can do. Yeah. No. Uh because I don't really know. Uh, but anyways, Kyrie Irving. So I guess my point in bringing up this flat earth stuff is like the dude walks to his own drum. Like, yeah. the, like he just marches to the beat of his own drum. Yeah. Yeah. Like he doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He's going to do his thing, which I kind of respect. I like good That's, for you. He's entertaining for sure. Oh my God. He's wonderful. And a lot of the stuff just makes no sense. Some of it does, but he he's a hell of a basketball is. player too, by the way. Amazing. I mean, right. I mean, might but, be the best ball handler in the league, but watching him take a stand on principle and just say, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and you will not bend me. That I have tremendous respect for. Because it would be far easier for him to just cave. Yeah, it makes me leaving because of my mask thing not as important. I mean, it's still, you stood up. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't have $100 million on the table. (laughs) No, but you had... But either way. Like a percentage of Uh, income-wise, he also probably has enough in savings that he never has to work again and he could live fine. You're not in that boat. Luckily, I don't have to worry about the, the... the vaccine mandate being part of my life. So I don't have to cross that bridge. Same on my end. Of yeah. like, I, it's not even on my radar. But I feel for people who it is. And I understand why people make decisions and get the vaccine, if, even if they don't want the vaccine. So oh, I do, um, too. I just think it's a shame. And I think that watching Kyrie Irving have to face up to all this and just be constantly belittled. Have well, he'll, his intelligence he'll be, he'll be because of all the stuff we just talked about. He's going to be held up as like the poster child for all the NBA anti-vaxxers because he's such a he's such a he can point. You can poke to so many different things. In his life and be like, look how crazy he is. Look how crazy he is. He's got to be crazy about this, too. That's all. Yeah, and you're going to get lumped in. So, all right. Well, let's talk about the ramifications of vaccine mandates a little more. Mr. Husong, in the month of August, I believe, uh, did you know 4.3 million Americans quit their jobs? I did not. That's crazy. 4.3 million quit their jobs. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And, you know, obviously the direct correlation is to vaccine mandates uh, being implemented across the country in the many employers, um, many of whom who have uh, the appearance of a mandate. I don't know that there actually is right now a federal mandate on companies. With I know that was just a Biden press conference, wasn't it? Like There's they actually haven't, they no haven't been done nothing yet since that. They just said Biden just had a press conference. It's like, yeah, we're all everybody who's got employees of 100, they're going to get vaccine mandates but nothing ever happened from that so but anyway folks like as we talked about last week southwest airlines who basically cited that reference uh biden's mandate or non-existent mandate um as reason for implementing their vaccine mandate to their employers which obviously went poorly um 4.3 million people quit their jobs basically because they're doing exactly what Kyrie Irving said, said, screw it. I'm not, I don't, I'm not beholden to your paycheck. I'm not beholden to your money. I don't need to live my life through your mandates and I'm going to leave and go do something else. Respect. Yeah. It's a travesty, especially like the idea behind the vaccine mandates are still completely unfounded. Like the science does not support the idea of mandating this vaccine. Like if the vaccine actually all, all out, altogether stopped you from spreading it, that would be an argument in favor of vaccine mandates. It doesn't. If the vaccines gave you long-lasting immunity that and at least had an impact on spread, I could understand it. It doesn't. If people were actually at a significant risk of getting COVID and dying, I would, I would understand a mandate. But the reality is anybody under the age of 65 who's not obese 
your statistical risk of dying of COVID is so low. It's lower than a car accident. It's lower than almost anything. And now you're looking at kids coming up down the pipe. Literally, the odds of a kid dying of COVID, a healthy child in particular, is less than them getting struck by lightning. That's what you want to you want to authorize vaccines for children and school I heard districts want to mandate to get struck by a goat. Awesome. I haven't probably, heard that. It's probably oh literally my just God, as, I want that to be true so badly. <laughs> just made it up. It's not true. Oh, damn it. Why do you get my hopes <laughs> up like that? I just want that to be real. Um, I, I'm sure it is real. But I, seriously, it's a the people if people understood the actual statistical risk instead of the fear and propaganda that they have been fed, more people would say no. And more people would start to question the government's actions. The CDC and the FDA specifically, we'd start to ask a lot more questions. Because when the vaccine first came out, please note, they didn't start talking in January about how, well, it's not really going to impact spread and you're still going to be just as likely to spread it after about three weeks and your viral load's going to remain high. Um, Those weren't the selling points. Uh, you know, you, but you're, you're less likely to die and you're less likely to get severely sick, although we're going to also measure that differently to ensure. Unless you're also over 65 and have underlying health conditions like you would if you had the real disease. Right. So, and this is my point on if you give me a, a reduction in risk, if you could cut my risk in half with the vaccine, like I'm going to cut your risk of dying in half. Now, on the surface, you're going to go, yeah. And then you find out your actual odds of dying are two in a million. And you go, oh, so it's going to go to one? Yep. That's uh, the bullet. Or here's a better way of saying it. Like, it's one in a million, and we're going to take it to one in two million. Okay, well, what, what's the safety profile like on, on the vaccines? Perfectly safe. Okay, well, where are, we, where are we tracking that? Do you have a site? Yeah, we have VAERS. You look at VAERS. Uh, uh, that doesn't look good. Well, you can't count on that. It's rely. It's not really reliable. It's all self-reported. Oh, okay. So do you guys got a different system you're working on to track this? Shut up, anti-vaxxer. Wait, you don't, ha this is all we've got. We've had the vaccines since December of last year. And nobody at the government thought like, hey guys, on the off chance that this is causing adverse reactions, maybe we need a more reliable system than theirs. Yeah, well, maybe that'll be actually be some of the silver linings that comes from this, some other system that'll arise. I mean, I'm sure they'll be fighting tooth and nail because they like the ambiguity. They they can pick and choose when they want to use it. Yep. So, um, so yeah, 4.3 million people walked out on their jobs over a mandate. Good for you, because this is not about protection. This is not about safety. This is not about societal good. This is about simple submission and control. Because if it was really about safety, you would you would absolutely be giving people antibody tests or antigen tests or T-cell or B-cell tests to find out who actually has immunity. The simple fact that you're not is an indication that all you're interested in is getting people to comply with your orders. Because here's the reality. Natural immunity is vastly superior to vaccine immunity. And it's not close. And I know, I know, the science changed recently on that, and that's how we knew that. Nonsense. That was obvious from the get-go to anybody that was paying attention. Just like the idea that the vaccine didn't spread, or the vaccine was going to stop the spread. And I sent you the link over the week. December 29th, a doctor at the World Health Organization went public and said, there is no reason to believe that the vaccines are going to affect spread. And his point was, countries should not loosen travel restrictions based on vaccinated people because it has no impact on their capacity to spread. But we ignored him. And nine months later, Ben, how are you going to be able to sell vaccines if it doesn't work? I, it is hard. I mean, but if anybody could figure it out, <laughs> it's Pfizer.
So, like, that's that is the concern, though. Is all right. Look, it, it's not that the science changed. It's not that this was obvious. It's that this guy and I. Ta- I happened to read this article at the time. I read his analysis. I read the study and went, "He's right." There is nothing you can draw from this. And then the article came out and it says, well, it looks like maybe the vaccines have a shot at potentially reducing your capacity to spread somewhat for some period of time. And I went, well, that's a strong sentence. And then I read what they based it on. I read their analysis and I laughed and went, this is a joke. And guess what Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky ran with? Looks like it could stop the spread. Like yeah, All the way to the top. I mean, remember the Biden was talking about, you know, that. The, the, the virus is going to stop this pandemic. Shoot so. me. Somebody's um, probably going to if we keep so talking like this on this show. I, I noticed that the they list a couple of in this article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but they list other reasons why there might be 4.3 million people quitting their jobs. Like oh, I can't pe- wait to hear people, this. <laughs> people going to remote work and uh, uh, I don't know, just the, the some, some very, I mean, they mentioned it. Don't get me wrong. They mentioned the, the, the mandates, I think. I, I closed off the article. But um, one thing I didn't, they didn't mention, but do you think everybody just has Bitcoin now? I hope so, because you know, sixty-two thousand now. If everybody, if all those four point three million people just had a little bit of Bitcoin uh, a couple of years ago, that'd be suing out right now. It could be they'd be uh, double, triple their money. Uh, did you see that Jamie Dimon came out against Bitcoin again? Oh my God, the list is growing of people that I want to be on the opposite is, side of. But you know that JP he allows JP Morgan to like have yeah. Bitcoin, inst- you know, institutional investing somehow through JP Morgan or whatever. So um, this is just his personal opinion, I guess. But he says Bitcoin is worthless. I mean, what's the dollar? I guess. Well, that's his. That's his lifeblood, Mister Hughesong. Jamie Dimon has the best job in the world. No, no questions. Forget middle reliever versus backup quarterback. Like we could put that debate time. Jamie Dimon gets paid ungodly sums of money to get nothing but positive press all day long to run an entity that has been deemed by the United States government as too big to fail. So, if you are too big to fail, what is the only other option? Uh, live live large. I guess succeed. It, yeah, just like That's uh, it. whatever. Take take on as much risk as possible and uh, see what see what happens. And if you lose, the taxpayers bail you out. And if yeah. you win, you get to keep all your money. Yeah. That's and now Jamie Dimon gets to do all that while overseeing the organization throughout. I believe it's now four felony convictions for various fraud, and I think it's triple digits of significant misdemeanor violations that don't rise to felonies. And you want to know what the best part is? If you come out and be like, somebody, you should fire Jamie Dimon. Every expert in the country is going to go, you're an idiot. You're so dumb. You don't understand the talent this man has. Like, what's the talent of running a business that is not allowed to fail? Look, you tell me the government's going to mandate. You just got to look good in an interview, buddy. You tell me the government, I can start a business, any business, and the government's going to mandate that automatically I have to succeed. I'm not allowed to fail. Mandatory ice cream Mondays. I'm saying. I mean, you should make that Let's start it up. (laughs) No, we're closed on Mondays. Tuesdays. (laughs) Two ice cream Tuesdays. Two ice cream Tuesdays all the way around. Like, stop giving this man credit. This is laughable. It got bankrupted an entire county in Alabama by forcing them to take on debt he knew was junk. And then the government was just like, Jamie Dimon is the savior of the of the recession. Thank God for Jamie Dimon. What? I want that job. Yeah. I say that's not true. Yeah. I, I would feel so icky in that job. I would keep trying to break up the bank. But Jamie Dimon has the best job ever. Good yeah. for him that he's against yeah. Bitcoin. Now I'm even more for it. Yeah. All right. Let's do one. I have one more uh, New York State uh, thing. This I think we should touch on is the, uh, the religious exemptions here for uh, 
medical workers here in New York State. Can we just call this the return to common sense? Sure. Okay. Uh, much more applicable here. Um, so Judge David Hurd of the U.S. District Court of the Northern uh, District uh, basically said that the uh, uh, the idea that New York can uh, can stop hospital and nursing home workers from seeking religious exemption uh, conflicts with longstanding federal protections for religious beliefs. So go figure. Um, this basically allows anybody who had been declined or, you know, you weren't allowed to really apply for a religious exemption if you were a medical worker or a nursing home worker um, or hospital worker, I think it was. Um, and so now they can. I'm assuming this thing gets appealed to whatever the next layer of court nonsense is. But do you get a sense that all of this vaccine mandates or the mandates in general, all of this stuff is just a let's mandate everything and let the court sort it out and then we'll know where to start from next time. Yeah. Like they're basically just saying, okay, we know we're not going to win all these lawsuits. Let's just do everything. The worst possible scenario, max, max, you know, max force onto this idea and then see where the court pushes back. And then they'll just know, okay, well from next time we're going to start from here and we're going to figure out a way around it. Yeah. I think it's crazy, but it's, it's also totally predictable, especially when you get lawyers involved. It's, this is like the kitchen sink style of arguing. I mean, and it's in New York, right? So we're getting massive amounts of people being impacted by this and, and, and interact like they're, they're going to have tons and tons of data to look back at on this and see what worked and what didn't in the court system. Yeah. It's that's what this all is. Because if you, if you ask for everything and you get some of it, it's better than going one at a time and continually losing. Yeah. You it's easier to, I mean, they're basically inundating us with all of this at once and there's not enough people to push back on all of it because the government is so powerful. Um, you kind of have to take small positions and stances against them where you think you can win. Um, hopefully the courts, you know, hold much of this and, you know, they're not starting from a, a running start next time because like, I don't think this is going to be the last time they're trying to mandate vaccines for everybody. Oh, come on, man. The government always gives back whatever power it grasps. That's what the politicians do. They're like, you know what? We probably have a little too much control. Why don't we seed some of this back? Remember when that happened with, um, Or do we have a cricket button? No. Right, it's never happened. Not once in the, in the course of human history. I probably do have a cricket button. Has the government ever been like, you know what? This is probably too much. Let's give it back. Soon as they get it, they keep it. And you, there's no better example than the NSA spying program. We all know it happens. Did they stop doing it? That actually sounds kind of peaceful and nice. <laughs> I told you I had a cricket button. It's the worst cricket button ever. <laughs> that sounded pleasant. You need a better cricket it's button. It's coming. Um, like the NSA, we they got caught red-handed spying on Americans. Did they stop? No. Nope. Still do it, folks. Caught red-handed. Everybody was like, this is wrong. And they went, you know what? We're going to do better. And they, we said, how? And they went, we're just going to do better. And we're going to keep you safe. Because the Taliban want to kill you, and we need to protect you. And we all went, okay. And now they still spy on us. Yeah. So they're not going to give back the power, and whatever they grasp right now, the next time they get any excuse whatsoever, they're going to go further. Like, I can't believe that there are anybody, anybody in this country is supporting mandating a vaccine that does not even, never mind stop, 
that barely reduces your likelihood to spread after a few months. Like, it, it maybe there is some science, but it is far from settled. There is some science to indicate that it does reduce your chances of spreading the virus for a couple of weeks. It's not a given. We don't actually know that to be true. And people are over here, smart people, people I have respect for, the people whose intelligence I respect, are out here saying, good. If these medical professionals aren't going to put the safety of their patients first, screw them. And a little part of me dies every time I hear that, of like, man, you've just, you've just bought in. You're in. There's no, there's no coming back. You're in. You're all in. And it doesn't matter that natural immunity is somewhere between 13 and 27 times more effective than vaccine immunity. You don't care. Get the vax or shut up about it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. I have uh, actually an update, even on top of the update that I was going to. I'm looking at a brand new article here from uh, about Marine Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. If you remember, uh, we've talked about him the last couple of weeks. Uh, he was do. the guy who kind of spoke out about the, uh, uh, I don't even know what the right adjective uh, to, to adequately de- describe the, the, uh, uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. But yeah, questioned the leadership uh, of that and uh, was then uh, court-martialed and uh, basically held in jail for a little while, uh, uh, thinking protecting himself uh, or from himself, I guess. But I'm reading an article here, and I'm not familiar with this thing, but it looks like it's a uh, military magazine, but it's... uh, Is it Stars and Stripes? No, it's Task and Purpose. I don't know that one. Um, But it says that Lieutenant Kellersher was found guilty on Thursday of numerous charges in connection with his very public battle. Um, uh, So I know he was fined $5,000 and faced uh, reprimand, uh, court-martial... Uh, they are not going to go lightly on this dude. Apparently, they're going to take make sure that he is uh, an example of. So, um, I did want to update on that. I I just saw this article come through, um, but you know what else is going to update on? What's that? Hunter Biden's laptop. Yay! Um, now I'm told this is Russian disinformation, so just be careful. Yeah, we were all told that. Um, careful, real quick be- <laughs> before we get into the actual the uh, the. Uh, the juicy part of the the thing. Well, I guess this is probably juicy too. But did you know that the art gallery uh, that was repping Hunter Biden, uh, his artwork, sure. they received five hundred thousand dollars in the federal COVID loan. Why so but, little? Uh, well, I mean, maybe they got a probably. I mean, it's not as much as some of the local businesses around here got. But they employ. Guess how many employees, Mister Husong? How many? Yes, twenty five. Two <laughs> is the number. <laughs> two, two people. They employ two people. Um, Stop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They got a half a million for two people? Two people. I love this freaking country so much. All right. So let's talk about the more juicy part. I don't even know. That's all nonsense. It's such stupid. I feel like you skipped the juicy part because this. No. Well, so uh, we talked about this book that came out. uh, Dude, I forgot the dude's name already. It's got some long, too many syllables for me to remember. Uh, Schellenbeck, maybe, is the name. I don't know. Does that remember? Somebody wrote a book uh, called Biden's. Uh, they went into basically the whole Hunter Biden email and kind of confirmed that all these uh, emails, not that there was, other than the, you know, was it 37 intelligence agents who came out and said <laughs> something like this was all Russian. All the earmarks <laughs> of Russian disinformation. Um, but it turns out that uh, this uh, author of this book, who's a, a journalist, uh, kind of went out and went through the details and confirmed a lot of the emails were real and basically, you know, kind of 
shed light that, okay, this whole laptop is not, again, Russian disinformation that it actually really was was real. And, but part of this was that Joe and Joe, the president, that is the acting president and his son, Hunter, had a joint bank account awesome. where money, <laughs> money was being used uh, basically in this uh, Burisma thing kind of stuff. So to cover Hunter Biden's expenses, if I recall. Correctly. Yes, right. Um, I mean, there's some pictures on there with some hair pulling and stuff going on, too. I don't remember some other stuff. There was I mean, there's more than uh, this is the juicy part. I don't want to see this no, part. No. Okay, you don't. Um, but so is this going to get ever get like actual any mainstream run? Like our literally our president is on the take. Yeah. Literally on the take. There's e- like, could you imagine that this happened for any other president in any other era? No. Literally, it, it it's mind boggling that this much information out is about how Joe Biden peddles his influence around the world and his son peddles his influence, his name around the world to the tune of billions of dollars, it seems like. Yep. Uh, so a couple of very funny takeaways and funny in the saddest, saddest interpretation of the word. Uh, number one, this is crazy and it makes no sense. So Joe Biden, this activity, let's just all be clear, is not a gray area. It's not an ethical twist up. It's illegal. He has access to money that he is not disclosing for the purposes of taxes. So if you have an accession to wealth, as the IRS likes to say, and you do not report that to the IRS, you are in violation of the law. And that doesn't matter if it's coming from here or bank accounts in China or Central America or the Ukraine or Russia or wherever. If you don't disclose your accession to wealth, it's called tax evasion. Al Capone, famous gangster, famous murderer, bootlegger, drug runner. What did he go to prison for, Sean? Tax evasion. That's right. Got him on nothing else but tax evasion. And son of a gun, 11 years in prison. So Joe Biden, between this, between the emails, between Tody Bobolinsky, what's the word? Um, Confirming the veracity of the emails and identifying Joe Biden as the big guy. These are illegal holdings. So on that alone, he should be facing a fine and or prison for tax evasion. If you or I did this, and we got caught with this hard of a paper trail, we wouldn't even be able to fight it. Our lawyer would tell us, plead. Because there's no wiggle room. You got caught red-handed. You are caught. Okay, that's that's problem number one. This isn't some ethical gray area. This is illegal. Now, let's talk about the political nature of this. If, I don't know, you're a foreign intelligence agency or a general crazy person, and you can lay out all concrete proof, and again, this is just what we know. The guy's been in office for 40 years. And we laid it out a few months ago, all the family members that are suddenly rich because of Joe Biden taking and getting government contracts to his family members. But that's, let's skip that. Just this. If you're the president, you're committing crimes, and I can prove you're committing crimes, how many things are you going to say no to that I want? Yeah. None. There's at least a risk. Now, maybe you are this ethical paragon that will risk your own reputation and legality and your legacy to stand up for a cause that is right and just, and you will not be leveraged, you will not be taken advantage of, and you will not be blackmailed. Anybody think that's Joe Biden? Yeah, no. Show of hands? And this book, uh, and Ben Schreckinger is his name. Okay. Um, And the name of the book is The Bidens Inside the the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power. 
So probably going over a lot of the names you just referenced there. Yep. But one of the other things that uh, this book also confirms was that the uh, quote unquote 10 held by H for the big guy mm-hmm. that the, that is 10% held by Hunter for Joe Biden. Um, again, again, that know. would be the biggest story like ever. Should like be. what, what are we doing? We're ignoring it in the name of politics. We're ignoring it in the name of because our media is owned by the same establishment that is realistically running the country. And I'm not talking about a deep state. I'm not talking about China's running us or whatever else. I'm talking about this incestuous relationship at the top where every media company or 97% of all media in the United States is owned by one of six companies. And everything goes back and forth between the government and these companies to report what they want. Joe Biden is useful to foreign countries because of the interference and because of the leverage that they hold over him. Guess who else he's probably beholden to? Everybody that knows this. And if you don't China. think the United States he's beholden to China. If you don't think the United States intelligence agencies knew about this, know about this, and are using this to their political and or economic advantage, I got bad news for you about the way this country's run. Bad news. They are. And that's why Joe Biden's still in power, because the people that are benefiting the most from a Joe Biden presidency, don't get me wrong, they would benefit just as much from a Kamala Harris presidency. Um, But Kamala Harris can't win an election. Joe Biden still might be able to win. So who are you going to get rid of? You you can't get rid of him until after the midterms at a minimum. So, again, I don't know what to make of this other than if you're still defending this, but you spent four years expressing how corrupt Donald Trump was and how he ruined the country, kindly go sit down. Your turn's over. Go sit. Look, I think we were very clear on our stance on Donald Trump for the entire time the show's been on the air. He's awful. He's absolutely terrible, and he's utterly corrupt, and he's un- utterly self-dealing at left and right. It just was not some new form of corruption that we had never seen. It was par for the course of the last 20 years. It was... Uh... New York City realtor corrupt, right? right? Right. Biden is global elite corrupt. Yes. And like, yeah, Donald Trump got his daughter a, a patent approval. All right. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I'm not arguing that that's wrong, <laughs> but good Lord. Like Barack Obama got out of office and bought a $10 million home on Martha's Vineyard. The Clintons left the White House broke. Remember? He's broke. an organizer. Oh my God. George W. Bush was already ridiculously wealthy when he got out of office or when he got into office, so there was less of it. But same stuff happened. Like, guys, stop pretending like this is brand new and stop pretending like Donald Trump. You wonder what Donald Trump did? He brought it to light. Not because he has any altruistic bone in his body and he was hoping to benevolently show us the way. It's because he went in and did the exact same thing every other president does. I will say to to defend Trump a little bit, he did make the call to the Ukraine and be like, uh, this this dude is corrupt as all hell, basically. Called, he didn't do he that called, for any benevolent purpose. No. He did it for I, him. Sure. But he, it, like I said, he, he definitely called him out. So the reason it, was, it I turned actually, out to be actually all correct. Listen, the reason I liked Donald Trump in office was very simple. The people that I view as larger threats Irving to the country. Pre- he's the Kyrie Irving of president. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> like the people I view as concerning, that have too much power, that, have, that are leading us towards authoritarian, they all hated Donald Trump. I'm in. Like, oh, okay. Me too. I, 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 listen, that was the best part. The best part was the panties that got in bunches by Donald Trump. I'm like, good. Right. Somebody needed to put him in there. So, Right. I mean, you you got uh, John Bolton out here claiming what a risk to the republic Donald Trump is, and I'm kind of going, well, let's just see a little bit further then. Yeah. And it's nothing to do with that I like Donald Trump. I don't. It's that 
the corruption is not new. It's been going on forever. And I'm sorry if you're new to politics and just learning this. I got bad news for you. State level's no different. Local level's no different. It's how the game is played. Try to get a party on the ballot. Go ahead. Let me know how it works out for you. And then ask yourself, man, why is it so hard to get a new line, a new party line on the ballot? It's really weird. Hmm. Or try to contest against the person that the incumbent party wants to run and see how many lawsuits you're left dealing with that are absolute nonsense, but that you have to pay somebody to fight those lawsuits until they get dismissed at the 11th hour. But it'll cost you all your money and you can't campaign. That's the way politics works, folks. Sorry if that's news to you. Joe Biden is a different level than even I was prepared for. And I had very low expectations going in for Joe Biden. And it's not that I can't believe how corrupt it is. I can. I can't believe how little people care. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I believe that other corruption is there. Like, he's just not being held accountable for any of it. Like, literally none of it. And right, it, it, I, I, it's not elder abuse or whatever. I'm like, this thing has been going on for a long time. These are These are... Not, this didn't happen this year. This happens five, six years ago. He was vice president. Seven, 20 years ago. So, yeah, this well, well, for sure. He was running. Like, guys, this is, look at his dealings with Amtrak when he was just this lunch, back, lunch pal Joe from, from Delaware, the senator. Yeah. No, he's an, he is a corrupt politician. His family has done nothing but enhance their own wealth for the last 30 years off of his career in politics. He has done nothing but enrich himself and engage in self-dealing for the last 30 years, and probably longer, but I can only go back 30 years and know for sure that I'm right on that. Anything beyond that, I don't know. Um, this is Now listen, there's, it's not just a normal level of stuff like hiring your sister to be your campaign manager, taking in the donations, paying her an exorbitant salary, and then having her pay an LLC a consulting fee that was astronomical, of which she's a 60% owner of the LLC she paid herself. That's like normal level stuff that every politician does, and we all kind of look the other way. It's the stuff beyond that that is concerning of like the hubris of this man to just keep doing this with zero fear of repercussion, zero fear of anybody turning on him. At some point, you should ask why. How do you get to be this confident that you were willing to engage in this level of corruption with zero thought? that you could be caught and held accountable? How long do you have to be engaging in this type of behavior to the point where you stop believing you could be caught? Yeah, well, we found it. You are here, Ben. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm, I'm just saying, we're, we're in that moment. I'm just railing against this because I find it to be genuinely shocking. Of Look, this is a paper trail. This is clear-cut evidence. Like You have to have... So overwhelming benefit of the doubt to go to him to justify this that even a mob lawyer would look at you and be like, you sound a little crazy. Like, that's the level of blind adherence and cognitive dissonance this requires to defend Joe Biden in this case with anything further than Trump did it too. That's your best argument, truly. It's all you got. Yeah, he's terrible. All right. Awful. Well, let's get to the uh, breaking news this morning. Wasn't on the show notes until uh, till, uh, late this, or early this morning. Mr. Okay. Song. Colin Powell has died. Uh, family released a statement saying he died from complications of COVID. Mm. Before we get into that aspect of it, um, Powell was the Joint Chiefs of Staff in 89, to, like the, uh, right up to whatever. Uh, let me get back here. 89 to 93. Yep. Uh, says here he was uh, overseeing the invasions of Panama and Kuwait, as well as Operation Desert Storm and the Persian Gulf War against Iraq. 
But what I want to talk about is when he was Secretary of State, I believe he was Secretary of State then, when he was basically pitched out as the salesman for the Iraq War. Um, I feel like the job he did at the time he was, I would say, a well respected by both U.S. politicians or both political parties, if you will. Yep. um, Or at least had respect from both of them, Um, and he was used to convince them. He was used to convince the UN, and he was convinced or used to convince the U.S. the American people to that this Iraq War was was justified, and he was, you know, I guess in. In hindsight, he has said that he was against the Iraq war leading up to that, but somehow still went out and pitched it anyway. And, you know, millions of deaths later, here we are. Uh, so for my, one of the first of many senseless wars or whatever the, the, of my lifetime where I realized that this was nonsense. nothing. This was complete, utter nonsense. Right. right. So so, it, um, so he contributed to his credit. Um, he came out. And I think the reason he maintained a fairly high level of respect across the board was because he did come out and say, we got it wrong. And he basically, his contention, if you want to believe him or not, that's up to you. But I've read his biography, and it was very interesting. Um, He said, I trusted the intelligence offices, but they came to me with this proof. It it looked sound. And he said, and the reason more, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the quote, but it was because if the intelligence was wrong, there's no way it was an accident, and he didn't think the intelligence agencies would would purposely engage in false evidence just to get us into a war. Right. So was that, was that was that specifically in reference to the weapons of mass destruction? Yes. Okay. And to to some of the other claims that they made when they said they've got this proof, and it was well, if this is wrong, it couldn't be an honest mistake. Didn't they have something like Nigerian uranium or something right. too? Something right. something know, crazy. Yeah, in vials. Like yeah, it was it was wild. It, like to the point of he's not wrong. You couldn't make this mistake, honestly, if you have any type of credibility or expertise in this field. And he had his faith in the system because that's what he came up in. I, he came up through the ranks of the military in the Department of Defense. That was his life. And I don't think Colin Powell, from what I know about him, is or, or was a bad human being. I think Colin Powell was, in some regards, a victim of the time in which he came. And in his chosen profession, I don't think 100 years from now we're going to look back on the United States government, military, or defense contractors in any sort of positive light from this time frame. Because you're going to ask the question, how did we get into two 20-year wars over nothing? Like, how did, how did these military people go along? And he's going to be one of the poster children for it because, you're right, they did. They took him and used him and used his credibility to sell it. Yeah, it's almost like they knew, like, okay, the only person who's going to be able to do this is Colin Powell, so we yeah. got to get him on board. Now, is it possible that he knew and was completely on board with it? Yes, I'm not going to dismiss that. I just don't see the evidence to support it. I think that, for the most part, he trusted the system that he had come up in and genuinely was a patriot and was a dutiful soldier and came in and was like, well, if this is what we got to do, then this is what we got to do. And it just turns out he was wrong. And, and I mean, spectacularly wrong. And he acknowledged that it was wrong. And he and he said it wasn't completely wrong, but there was way too much in there that was completely false. And in hindsight, I never should have gone and presented it. But he didn't know that at the time. And that's a shame because that will forever be a stain on his legacy that, in my opinion, short of any other evidence, is somewhat unwarranted, where there's no way you could reasonably expect that he would have the capacity to think he was working for people that would falsify evidence to get us into a war. He just couldn't have, he could not have possibly comprehended that or else he wouldn't have worked for the organization for as long as he did. And then when it became obvious that it was, now what do you do? 
now you're the Secretary of State. Um, you've got all these careers. You might be president one day. You've got a career that you basically have to, for you to follow through, you have to walk away and um, not abolish, but disregard your entire career and say it was all a lie. It's hard. I, I feel for the guy in that respect, and I know, and also I am admittedly somewhat pro and, and a huge fan of Colin Powell because he gave us the funniest line I still have ever heard in American to- politics when in an email that got leaked, he said that was back when Bill Clinton was still out dicking bimbos. And I just loved the way that he worded that because he had a way with words and that one was one of his better ones. Um, but he tried it after that. He kind of got out of the limelight. And yes, he came out and supported Joe Biden, which again, who was Colin Powell, he still has has a lot of faith that even if the deeds are somewhat dirty, we're still the good guys. And he has everything, every part of his career wrapped up in that belief. So if that's the case and the other defense and intelligence guys don't like Donald Trump, where do you think Colin Powell's going to land? Yeah, and I'm not saying he should have liked Donald Trump. I don't like Donald Trump. I just, I couldn't have endorsed Joe Biden, and I couldn't have endorsed Donald Trump. I didn't want either one of them to be president. So I understand you got to vote for somebody, but to come out and publicly endorse somebody in of those two candidates was odd, unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't have to. Right. That's a, that's you know, I said the same thing even locally here. Like, you don't have to endorse somebody. Like, like you're literally putting your your name tied right. to this person, so you're endorsing them. Whatever. I don't. Know, it's a it's a weird thing. You should pick and choose that selectively i feel like but anyway, i agree so, so, so i'm talk- sorry to hear about colin powell genuinely i am um he did have some health issues he was 84 years old he was fully vaccinated and i believe including a booster shot uh you know the conspiracy theorists among us are going to wonder what was the date of his booster shot that he just dropped dead this morning and it's not an illegitimate line of questioning despite what you think it's not like that we should be if you're going to go out there and say he died of covid of complications related to covid and it turns out that he actually dropped dead 48 hours after getting vaccinated. That's something that we should want to know if it's true. And I'm right. not saying that it is. And so so let me touch on that point specifically first go before ahead. we go into some of the hypocrisy that I've seen this morning. Um, so the family worded the announcement exactly as that, from complications of COVID, right? So in any other era, let's call it, that would have been worded after a long battle with cancer. Yeah. Or died from cancer, right? Just that, right. It would. It would have. I'm not even saying that that's right. Yeah, I'm just saying that that's how it would have been worded. It would sure. have been portrayed that that's, and everybody would have understood. Okay, he was sick. You know, right. things happen when you're sick. You know, you're vulnerable. Whatever cancer can do that clearly. So, um, the treatment of cancer can do that as well. So you you're you're very vulnerable when you're getting treatment for cancer. Understood. But they, that's not what they said. They Again, they used from complications of COVID. So I'm not sure, you know, who that this was on his official, the Colin Powell Twitter account, I guess is how the, the announcement was made, um, at least publicly anyway. Um, so I'm not sure who worded that and why those words were chosen, but they were chosen. And so I wonder what, you know, the why, why you would they use cover it's, it's very... Inconvenience. It's clearly they they put it. They made it part of the story, right? So, like, I want to know, or we all should know, is okay. Why why are we making this part of the story? Was it because it was shortly after a vaccine, which would be interesting if they were actually trying to make that public 
yeah, information that way. I don't know if they would do that. Um, or if they're trying to just draw attention to COVID in general, or, or like, I don't, I don't know the, you know, and we'll probably never know the actual motive behind the, the words chosen. Um, but I found it probably the most interesting part, you know, outside of his, you know, he has a, a crazy career, but the, the part of the announcement that I found was this purposeful use of the words from complications of COVID instead of something along the lines of mentioning the cancer after a long battle with cancer, something like that seems was, that would have always been the, 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 the words chosen in the past to, to narrate someone's death of, in, in that scenario, I guess. We'll get into your hypocrisy part of it after, yeah. but in response to that, it's why do you use six words when you could have said it in two? If what you're trying to say is Colin Powell dies of COVID, then that's all you have to say. Colin Powell dies stemming from complications of the COVID-19 virus is very different. Not very, but importantly different. And it's not saying the exact same thing, and those things are not synonyms. So if you're going to word it that way, those of us who have um, spent a fair amount of time grasping media misdirection and how they're lying without lying see those words and the fact that this is a particularly sad case of a man that i had tremendous respect for and admired greatly throughout my entire life and that did not cease later on even if our our views of the world diverged i always held a tremendous amount of respect and esteem for him it doesn't change what the media has done and the media has lied and the media has misled and they do it by using word salad so anytime I see that, I don't shut it off. I, I wish I could. Yeah, I'm like I, hyper-focused on it now. Right. Like it's, it's, you can't even not see it anymore. That's the problem is I can't not see it. And so as soon as you read it that way, you go, all right, there's something that you're covering up. There is. Like there's so, you had to word it this way for a reason. And maybe it was just you have a really crappy editor who worded it that way. And But this is from the family, right? So like I'm yeah. trying to figure out. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to figure out. What would be the motivation from the family no to idea. make sure that they're, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the, clearly noteworthy. The wording is odd. Yeah. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe you and I are just too far down this yeah, rabbit hole. We're looking That's at possible. everything Very at this possible. point. It's entirely we're too, we're too far gone. We are too far gone. <laughs> so that being said, it still seems odd. And look, my biggest thing on anything related to vaccines is I just want to know the truth. Yeah. I, I, genuinely, if they are perfectly safe, then I want to know that. But if they're not, we should know that, too. And who is at risk and who is not? And why are we going to approve emergency use authorization for kids 5 to 11? It's unjustifiable. It makes no sense. So you continually lie to me for 18 months, and then you look at me like, man, you're awfully skeptical. Like, what? Yeah. Stop lying. That's a great first step. And then I'll get back, and maybe we can build some trust up. But the problem is you've been lying to me for 18 months, and I keep catching you, and you keep dismissing me of like uh, we're crazy conspiracy theorists like no you just keep getting it quote wrong when it's impossible that you could have gotten it wrong unless you're a moron so who do you want to be do you want to be an idiot or do you want to be corrupt i'll give you whatever title you want you pick and i'm in but this is the problem here is if colin powell died because he got a booster shot and it had a negative reaction in his body do you think that the CDC, the FDA, the federal government, the intelligence communities, or anybody else at the layer at the level of government Colin Powell operated in. Do you think any one of them would want that to be public? Anyone? No. So, but the problem is, I still want truth. And if the vaccine is causing adverse reactions in, even if it's just people with Parkinson's, well, then let's talk about it. 
And let's maybe give an updated guidance instead of everybody get jabbed because we know for sure that's not smart. That's inarguable at this point. But we're not tracking adverse reactions. We're not allowed to discuss or even ask, hey, is the vaccine killing people? Because the answer is yes. We just don't know how many. Is the vaccine causing adverse reactions? Yes, we have no idea how many. From a public health standpoint, that makes no sense. So now this comes out and all you can think is, wait, you're, you're trying to get me to think Colin Powell died of COVID. And I guess now let's spearhead into where you wanted to go with this. And you say, wait, Colin Powell uh, fully vaccinated. And people respond, he was 84, he had cancer, he had immune problems, and he had Parkinson's. The vaccine's not perfect. Like, okay, fine. And the natural question He's like, where were you for the last 18 months? Because <laughs> if Colin Powell was unvaccinated and died of COVID in the same conditions, it would still be counted as, well, he died of COVID because he didn't get vaxxed. Like, no, he died of COVID because he had cancer, Parkinson's, and he was already dying. Right. It's like they're conveniently, they're selectively picking and choosing when to use the fact that this virus primarily focused on old and obese people. That's it. That's the list. And the fact that I get called disgusting for pointing that out when I say, oh yeah, comorbidities, diabetes, and hypertension, and then I get called a fat shamer, and I'm like, I don't even use those words. I'm like, I specifically mentioned two health issues that go along with comorbidities of COVID, and then get told that we shouldn't, I'm getting disgusting, we shouldn't talk about it. I'm like, no, we should talk about it, since that seems to be the uh, red flag that everybody should be talking about. Hey, the people who are dying are old and obese, and some of this the health issues can be controlled with diet and lifestyle change in the obese. We can't get people to turn less old, right? So that's where we're, I mean, it'd be great. I mean, maybe someday when they figure out this telomere thing and no, no, we're not, we're not going to go down. Not there. right now. <laughs> um, it's, but it's, it was convenient to disregard the fact that 84 year old unhealthy people were the main people dying for the last 18 months. That's who has been dying. It's been old and unhealthy people. And the fact that an old, unhealthy person dies, regardless of vaccination status at this point, just on that note alone, the fact that they're using this is like, oh, well, you know, and I'll, literally, I'll, you mentioned it, you know, all I did is basically add fully vaccinated to a headline and I got something like 50 something comments on it, basically telling me that he's 84 and old. And I'm like, okay, so. I get it. I know he's 84 and old, but where were you for the last 18 months when all the 84-year-old old people, unhealthy people were dying, and we instituted all these policy decisions that affected every single person, not the 84-year-old and unhealthy people? So there's been the, the reaction has been just funny to me, and like I said, it's, it's not lost on me that he was in, is a vulnerable per person regardless of vaccination status. And then if you want to just add on to whether or not he just recently received a booster, that's a whole other conversation unto itself. I wasn't even referencing that in some of my comments. I was just referencing that he's fully vaccinated. I mean, I'm, I'm curious because sure. I, my guess is he had a booster fairly recently. Uh, uh, seems so, Timing seems likely. And you are seeing these reports, and this is where I go back to, it's just not being reported anywhere. And it's happening, but it's not being reported, and we should all be concerned about that. So... Back to the story at hand. Um, I don't know how to say this politely, so just bear with me because this is going to be controversial. It's going to be mean. It's probably going to be privileged and whatever else. Being obese is bad for your health in so many ways. And that's not about fat shaming. It's not about 
making people feel less than because they have no discipline, they're not taking care of themselves, and then they just want a pill or a magic medicine to make them all feel better. This is the least controversial statement imaginable. Being obese is bad for you. Being morbidly obese is super bad for you, and especially as it relates to COVID because COVID causes vast inflammation and affects the body much more of a vascular disease than a respiratory disease. And guess what obese people are already full of? Inflammation. The data on this could not be more clear. Obese people are at such a heightened and increased risk, and those with high blood pressure, which, you know, shockingly enough, often go hand in hand, that the idea that you are equating the exact same risk to someone who is obese and someone that is healthy of the same age bracket is not supported by any data. You shouldn't do it. It's crazy. That's like comparing the risk of dying of a heart attack between a 75-year-old 5'11 guy that weighs 340 and a 23-year-old who's 6'1 and weighs 185 pounds. They're not the same risk. So if you were going to prevent the heart attack and you had a medication that was brand new, we didn't have long-term safety trial on it, there were some initial concerns, you wouldn't tell the 23-year-old 6'1 guy to take it. Be like, no, you're already at minimal risk. Let's give it to the people that are at significant risk where the risk of side effect is justified by the benefit. And then once we know that, we'll get more safety data. And as you get older and your risk goes up, at some point that would make sense. So the body positivity movement has done such tremendous harm to us on a societal level. It's not even funny. Like, listen, I understand we don't want people being anorexic because it's bad for your health. All right. Same thing. It's bad for your health. What is obesity? It's bad for your health. It's probably worse. Like, I I can't fathom this. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I don't want. I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. And I do think though that if done tactfully, I guess you know, and tastefully, I'm not like again trying to lean on us to to get this message out there. But if people were told that, hey. If you are overweight, this would be a good time to start losing weight. Maybe you'll be able to avoid getting really sick from this virus. But that was never said. That was never actually even, I'm guessing some people thought about it, but it was never ever going to reach the airwaves. So it seems as though there could have been, this could have been used as a way to shine light on that problem and in a way that had real world consequences that people could see in real life, but it wasn't used that way. It's not even allowed to be talked about. Or just give me the information straight. Right. And that is very clearly. Because, look, I, I can't speak for anybody else. Early on in COVID, I weighed about 15 to 20 pounds more than I do now. And you know what I realized is I started looking at the data and I started looking at what was going on with vitamin D and other levels of, in your blood and what the impact could have. And I did my own cost-benefit analysis and thought, you know what, if I could drop 20 pounds, start taking vitamin D, start taking zinc, start taking better care of myself, get outside more and exercise – uh, puts me in a much better position in the event that I do get COVID. That's not an irrational position. That's not crazy. That is looking at the data and going, yeah, if I keep doing this, I'm going to end up here. But if I stop and I go this way, then my odds go from still relatively low because I'm in my mid-30s. I'm not that old. But if I did, if I gained 20 pounds instead of losing 20 pounds, that would have put me at significantly higher risk. If I was completely vitamin D deficient, that would put me at a higher risk of having a negative reaction and or dying of COVID, and I didn't want to do that. So started taking care of myself a little better. I'm still working on it. I'm not perfect by any means, as you could tell, but I'm getting there. And that's okay. Like, the body, the body positive, like, you're beautiful no matter what. Like, 
okay, to some people, sure. Um, and you don't have to care what anybody else thinks. But to pretend like there's not significant health issues with being obese is just willful ignorance that you don't want to face the truth. It is an like it couldn't be more clear. Obesity is arguably worse for you than smoking. Like it's going to kill you earlier than you would otherwise die if you took care of yourself. And I'm not telling you you got to look like a freaking athlete, but we all know there's a middle ground you could hit. You don't got to be in the best shape of your life, but morbidly obese is also at some level, unless you have the super thyroid problems, please understand. I'm not speaking to you in this case, but to anybody else who doesn't have that, and it's just lifestyle and diet. Yeah, that's not healthy. Yeah, if you haven't changed your lifestyle or diet without, you know, like if you if you suspect that you're in a position where you could be vulnerable. Right. And if you haven't changed anything about it, that that's on you. That's on that person. I, mean, here's, so. I guess here's the thing. I'll still feel bad for you if you get COVID and die. Sure. Genuinely. And a lot of that stems from the fact that because nobody that has any sort of official title is telling you that, that right. is what's putting you that's at risk. That's exactly right. But the flip side of it is... If you just choose to do nothing, do you want me to pretend like you're in great health? Am I supposed to like go along with your delusion that this is all okay and that you're not going to face adverse health effects from being obese? This is, this is a true story. So the county executive reports our data on a daily basis, right? And so when he reports deaths, he reports if they had underlying conditions. They almost always do. But he reports that with underlying conditions. Well, somebody started harassing him, basically saying, you should not be telling us that there's underlying conditions. And I basically said, okay, yes, we should be. We should know that data so that we know who to protect against, right? Like, we shouldn't be applying policies and, and regiments against people who aren't vulnerable. We should be targeting the people who are vulnerable, those with underlying conditions. And I got called a disgusting person. <laughs> Literally got called a disgusting person. And I was like, uh, I just mentioned underlying conditions. That's I, it. Literally, it's all I mentioned. Even just, I just mentioned the words underlying conditions. So I wish obesity have lost was not minds. a factor in this. Genuinely, I do. It would make everything so much easier. But it's a factor in a lot of health things. It just is. That's like saying if somebody smoked three packs of cigarettes a day for their life, and then you were like, hey, I got lung cancer. You should probably watch out for yourself. Like, um, okay, but. You, know, like you, so, you smoke three packs a day and then they look back you'd be like yeah but it could happen to anybody like sure but are we thinking we're at the same risk like uh obviously oh yes. uh, okay yeah i found, i just like that i found the reaction to this idea that he was old and sick and his vaccination status should do you find it weird this is i understand the math but so when they say, and Sanjay Gupta said that, and we'll get into this uh, Joe Rogan thing because uh, he mentioned it there in a second. So, but I've heard this mentioned many times. So as the vaccination, this is paraphrasing the quote, as vaccination rates go up in the population, the more people who end up in a hospital should go up as well, right? So like there's more, the, the, Not the, more people, the, ratio, the higher right? the ratio should right. be, yes. Right, so, but like if it's even, if the ratio is exactly the same, then the vaccine does nothing. Correct, but I think his point, and I disagree with him, but his point, I shouldn't say I disagree with this point. If 90% of the population is vaccinated and 50% of hospitalizations are vaccinated, sure. that would indicate the vaccine is in fact working. Right. But, but right. That's what I get, but it's, it's not just a blatant. It's only if the ratio holds to the population rate, correct the vaccination rate. So like, and if it flips the other way, then what? And there are places where it's flipped the other way. Oh yeah. It's, so it's, it's coming here too. But I, I find that, I find that weird that people use that as like, well, as more, 
popular as more people get vaccinated obviously more people that are, are the higher percentage is going to be in the hospital i'm like okay well not if it's working <laughs> all right so listen let's keep in mind please as you're as you're parsing through this data the reason why this is false the reason why that entire claim is false is number one you don't count as vaccinated until you've gotten two shots and 14 days have gone by. So if you die 13 days after your second death and you happen to have a positive PCR test, which you probably would because of what's happening in your body, you're going to you're going to count as a covid death instead of a vaccine related death, even though you might actually have not directly died from the vaccine. But there's a window of time after your second shot where you're actually more susceptible to getting covid. That's why they wanted to wait 14 days, because it's not like, OK, after 14 days, now it takes perfect effect and everything along that way was exactly the same. No, you are at an increased risk post second shot until about 14 days later. Weird how we're not talking about that, but that would seem noteworthy, like when you're jabbing people for the second time. I don't know. Warn them. Hey. For the next two weeks, this thing's going to wreak a little bit of havoc, as is expected with vaccines, on your immune system. So as a result, your immune system is going to be reacting to the spike protein and generating what's supposed to do, but it's going to tire you down, and it looks like you have an increased risk of COVID. So for the next two weeks, if at all possible, be extra, extra safe. Stay home when you can. Stay outside when you can. Don't get around anybody that has COVID and don't think you're invincible, especially for the first two weeks. Would that be a reasonable piece of advice? Okay. Now, the other part of this, if you get hospitalized with COVID, all right, you have all the symptoms and they run a PCR test. Sean, let's do the distinction again. You are not vaccinated. I am vaccinated just for the purposes of this illustration. We both go to the hospital with similar symptoms. They take your swab. They take my swab. You as an unvaccinated person, they run that PCR test to 40 cycles. And at 40, anything north of 35, if you come back as a positive, has a 98% false positivity chance, but it counts having COVID and you're in the hospital with COVID. Me, as a fully vaccinated person, they're going to run it to 28 cycles, and anything above that doesn't count as me having COVID. That's not weird. No. Now, I think the way they do it with vaccinated is the right way to do it, and they should stop all tests at 28 cycles because anything above that is at best unreliable and at worst outright lying, but... That being said, it's not the same. So if you're going to compare things differently, if you're using different metrics, this is like having a basketball game where one team has to play on a seven-foot hoop and the other team has to score on a 12-foot hoop and then saying the results are what they are. Like, no, you fixed the game. I, what are you saying? You can't, and then all the referees all also happen to be going for the team that's trying to score on the seven-foot basket and then concluding it's just a superior team. Like, what? No, you 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 changed all the things. Like, uh, is it still basketball? Did they still have to score? Did they score more points? Then your point is moot. But in reality, if you look at all the data that goes into it, you'd be like, no, that's that's horribly wrong. Now, here's what's even more concerning. Despite all of these things that they are doing to prop up the vaccinated numbers and diminish any showing of negative results from vaccinated people, including boosters, the numbers are still closing. That is super concerning. Like the numbers coming out of the UK, the numbers coming out of Israel are really, really bad. They're not showing any long-term efficacy of the vaccine, even with the booster shot. Yes, there's a short-term increase in antibodies, but it's not a reason to conclude that that's going to be the long-term um, protection that we were promised when this vaccine came out or these vaccines came out. So the booster shot... And, and Dr. Goop just said this on Rogan, like, well, a lot of them need a primer and then you need a booster. That's perfectly normal. Like, right. Which is why it was two shots. 
You don't get to change that now. That was the argument for two shots. It was the primer and then the booster, and now we need another booster. And I get it. The polio, I think it was polio vaccine, required four shots for full immunity. Yes. There's no reason other than hope to think that's what's going to happen with the boosters. It's not supported by the evidence as it's coming out right now. The boosters give you, and and this is the fundamental problem with mRNA vaccines as they are currently being used. It gives you a massive spike in antibodies right away. Okay? But after that, and, and even more limited, it only seeks the exact genetic code of whatever variant they used in formulating your mRNA vaccine. So it does not expand out to other, uh, other variants as well as natural immunity does. On top of that, your antibody count reduces by roughly uh, somewhere between 30 and 40% per month. And it accelerates the more time goes on. And the biggest problem is natural immunity, your antibodies reduce by about 5 to 10% per month. Okay? The bigger problem, natural immunity, if you had it and your antibodies go down, is transitioning over into the cells of your bone marrow, into T cells and B cells, into your memory cells, so that you don't need the antibodies. But if COVID reintroduces itself, your body recognizes it and recognizes way more of the variants than the vaccinated immunity will provide. So your body is actually far more likely to recognize those. On the vaccine, to this point, now maybe this data will change, but this is my point. There's no reason to think it's going to change. They haven't changed the formulation for mRNA. That's still the same thing. You're losing 30 to 40% of your antibodies every month, and it's not transitioning into T-cell or B-cell long-term immunity as they hoped it would. The spike protein, like, the vaccine's not staying at the injection site. It's spreading. You're getting spike protein formulation in places you shouldn't be getting it. Like, these are all concerns that we're not allowed to talk about. And here's the thing, I'm still not anti-vaccine. If if I was 85 years old and obese, I'd probably take it because the risk, I would still look at it and be like, eh, it's risky, but 85 and obese, if I get COVID, I'm dead. Like, that simple. So what do you do? And that's what Dr. Gupta is missing when he's when he's having these conversations with Joe Rogan and he's saying, well, you should do this. Like, you have to ignore so much data to get to that point. Yeah. It's crazy. And so if you guys haven't seen the uh, interview with uh, Rogan and Gupta, I highly recommend it. I've watched it twice. Uh, once because I watched it. I did exactly what I told you I was making fun of you doing because I watched the Berenson one right after the yeah. Gupta one. So I went six hours straight. Oof. Yeah. I didn't I, do that. Yeah, I spread no, it I out know. over a couple days. <laughs> I know. I said I did the exactly same thing I was making fun of you about. Yeah. No, I didn't um, do that. But yeah, so then I went Gupta, Berenson. So most of those last week, I would recommend both of those uh, episodes of the Rogan show if you haven't uh, uh, listen to them already, but let's talk about a couple more points that I feel like I that were I feel like so. Let's talk about the myocarditis thing because that seemed to be a lot of people were talking about that, <clears throat> but it seemed like they were talking past each other a lot of that part of the interview because um, Gupta was trying to create a comparison that Rogan wasn't acknowledging. I feel like because the 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 report in the Guardian I think was something like um, four to six times higher rate of myocarditis and i think it's 12 to 15 year olds than there was from the if they got if they went if they got covid and they went to the hospital or so it's if they ended up in a house uh, let me re- rephrase this yeah. started from over so four to six times more likely to have myocarditis than to end up in a hospital with covid that was the thing so you're yes. technically comparing Gupta was right in a sense you're comparing two different types of groups you're comparing kids who came down with myocarditis and you're comparing people who kids who ended up in a hospital from COVID. But Rogan's point was the the, the one that they didn't talk about the most was that 86% of the people 
of the kids who went to myocarditis went to the hospital, right? Required or had some hospital, hospital care. Right. So I'm assuming, again, there's a little bit different wording. Yep. So like, I don't know exactly what that means. Yep. And maybe they're trying to make that seem more something. But it seemed as it was at least 80 whatever percent of those four to six times, whatever that number is. I mean, I don't even know what these numbers were. But that seems to be uh, a significant um, a number amount that it outweighs the, the, the benefit of the the, the virus, right? I mean, these kids are not going to the hospital. Um, so I, I felt like they were talking past each other a little bit and maybe it was done on purpose by Gupta because he was really trying to get Joe to compare two of the same groups. But I think the point that was missed was that the, it's a risk, right? It's the risk of the four to six times in the myocarditis versus the risk of that you're comparing risks. You're not comparing populations at that point joe rogan is basically saying hey the risk for these kids is almost zero so there's more risk getting the shot and gupta wouldn't let him have that conversation comparing risk he just wanted to compare he kept bringing group. it back to myocarditis specifically right. he wanted to, to make it a very comparison so that he can control the narrative i think well, and obviously risk is somewhat subjective to the person taking on that risk but that's also a point and i feel like gupta wouldn't acknowledge the idea that okay, I'm okay getting this virus and recovering. Like he wouldn't have given yeah. it, he wouldn't even. He's like, well, they don't have immunity. I'm like, okay, well, I don't care if I have immunity. I don't care if I have immunity if I feel like I'm healthy enough to recover from the virus. Like right. I don't care. Right. Like so, and he wouldn't get past those two points. And I feel like that was a lot of the conversation in the middle where I felt like they really could have had some points. Um, they were talking a little bit past each other, but I feel like it was a great conversation to have, and I'm glad that that. You know, I know Gupta asked to be on because he's probably selling a book, but I'm glad that Rogan brought him on just because, like, I'm just going to basically be myself and like, go point by point and kind of, you know, go through this. And Gupta really seemed a little bit snaky. So Gupta came on with the intention of convincing Rogan to get a vaccine dose. That's yeah. what he said. <clears throat> now you've gotten it. You got over it. Now you should get a vaccine shot. And why not? And this is why people are having a harder time believing people like Dr. Gupta of this is where you come across not as an objective scientist, but as a salesman for a vaccine, because there is no reason to question realistically that Joe Rogan right now is fully immune from COVID-19 better immunity than what Dr. Gupta has better immunity than the people receiving boosters, better immunity than the average person who doesn't have COVID and didn't get it. His antibodies are strong. Every test is coming out and indicating it's super unlikely that he would ever get very sick from COVID or even get COVID ever again. That's what every study will tell you is, is any reasonable science concludes with. So it's got Dr. Gupta. And I think the reason he does this is because he cannot now bring himself to acknowledge there is risk with the vaccine to healthy people. And so in his mind, it is, well, it's just a comparison of there's no risk. So why don't you get it? Because it looks like it might be a little better. And this is where we go into it again. Like, if I'm 99.99999% effective, why do I need to get 99.99999% effective? Like, it doesn't matter. And whether you want to ignore, and this is the point, there is risk with the vaccine. And Dr. Gupta even was relying on VAERS data when he was citing that study. And Rogan did call him out, like, isn't that from VAERS? So how do we even know if that's right? It could be underreported. It could be overreported. We have no idea. And Dr. Gupta did have to acknowledge that, like, well, yeah, it is. All right, well, you can't use the data when it benefits you and ignore it when it doesn't. That's not how it works. And this is the my central argument over again. We don't have good data. It's, it's 18 months into the pandemic. It's 10 months into the vaccines, and we don't have good data on That's, vaccine and that reactions. has to be on purpose. Oh, yeah, there's no question. So 
That aside, there's two other arguments that Dr. Gupta made. And I look at candidly, if I can have a moment of, of, of pure honesty. Go for it. Being in a position I'm in of consistently doubting narratives of people much more qualified than me, much smarter than me, and much more familiar with the subject matter for me does cause me doubt. And I do start to think, Jesus, maybe I am wrong. Like, maybe I just don't understand it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something glaring. And that's one of the reasons I was very happy to have caught this interview. And Dr. Gupta, for all of the ways I disagree with him, was very uh, good at explaining his positions. But I came away confirmed, like, nope, I'm not getting it wrong. He is. And that's a bold statement for somebody like me to make. And I don't mean to sound at all hubris or, or cocky or anything else. It's just... I do know this data. And realistically, Dr. Sanjay Gupta debating Joe Rogan on a medical question should not be an equal debate. It shouldn't be. And if Dr. Gupta actually had facts and truth on his side, it would have been over in 10 minutes because he is a bigger subject matter expert than Joe Rogan is by far. Uh, listen, half the stuff Rogan says, I, I roll my eyes at like, well, that's not true. So anyways, the first one. He's Joe Rogan asked about Uttar Pradesh in India, where they have about 230 million people. They introduced ivermectin and some other treatments early on and started mass producing them and giving them away to the citizens. And from that, their cases fell off a cliff. Now, Joe Rogan said, how do you explain that? And he said, well, I've had family there and it really burned through the population. And when that happened, the people did get some natural immunity and that's why it went away. And he said, just like what happened in the UK, now, immediately, I know what that data actually is, and I went, that's not how it happened. That's inaccurate. You can't compare the two. And just for point of reference, when the spike in India hit that he was talking about in mid-May, that they started using ivermectin in mid-May, and cases per day peaked at about 400,000 per day in India, a country of over a billion people. I think it's about 1.3. They had 400,000 cases a day at their peak. And then it fell off a cliff, and we can share these photos later on, on the site. But now, as of October 11th, they went from 400,000 cases a day to 19,068. And holding steady, going, going down a little bit. It basically, their entire di they did a V like that, and then it's doing this. And now they're down to 19,068 out of 1.3 billion. England. United Kingdom, I'm sorry, not just England. The United Kingdom had the speak had a uh, peak right around the same time, and it went up to about sixty, maybe sixty one thousand cases per day. And England's population, oh, I knew this, and I'm, I'm going to blank out. If I, what's England's population? I can look it up for Thank you. Thank you. So England's England go has a peak of about sixty thousand cases per day, and then it did drop off just like India's did, but then it did this. And it came right back up, came down again, came back up. And right now they're at about 40,000 cases per day. So their peak was 60. They did drop down to well below 20,000 cases per day. 68 million? Out of 68 million compared to 1.3 billion. <clears throat> and now India in October, as of October, a couple days ago, India is at 20,000 cases per day out of 1.3 billion, and the United Kingdom is 39,000 cases per day out of however... 68 million. Out of 68 million. Dr. Gupta, not the smartest guy in the world. How do you say those are the same curve? It's not. 
And you want to say that it was because India? Well, then why didn't the United Kingdom experience that same level of natural immunity? Oh, I don't know. UK's vaccination rates about for re- for eligible adults. I think it's about seventy percent or seventy five. It's high. India's is about fifteen to twenty. India used ivermectin and some other drugs to treat, prevent, and treat COVID. The UK did not. And you want to you want to blame this on natural immunity from the curve when the United Kingdoms went back up and hit like eighty percent of what their first peak was, and now is over half of it. And India's is reduced by 90% in holding. You sure? Sure that's what you want to do, Doc? Because this is the stuff that makes people think you're lying. Or you just don't know the data. Because it's inexcusable that you don't know that. And if you're going to compare the two, don't say that they had the same exact curve. They didn't have close to the same curve. And obviously the other uh, thing, other than the natural immunity and the myocarditis thing that they talked about, was ivermectin there. So Gupta versus uh, Rogan there, that is. And... You know, Rogan basically said, he's like, CNN lied. He's like, you know, why do, why do you think they lied? And after a little bit of uh, pushback, I feel like Gupta tried to minimize the uh, assertion that they were, you know, it was just an insult kind of thing, that it wasn't. But Joe Rogan's point is, like, they're a news network. They shouldn't be lying. About knowing, a comedian. Knowingly lying, right? They, they clearly knew that he didn't take a horse dewormer, that he actually took a human medication and that and yes listen ivermectin is used as a horse dewormer and a cattle dewormer no question about it but before that it's been used in humans and what joe rogan took was not the paste that they give to horses to deworm them he took a prescription from a medical doctor licensed in this country and a human dosage properly tailored to his body size and type that is a medicine meant for human to say joe rogan takes horse paste is flat out lying yeah and like i said it wasn't like they they wouldn't know that they purposely used it to basically at that point there was a crazy you know narrative going on to defame ivermectin, uh, ivermectin so right. they were just part of it and that's the same thing why he can't acknowledge well india did something right and we should be studying it because india especially Uttar pradesh 230 million people and they basically eliminated covid in the span of three weeks that's something we should want to know I don't care if it's ivermectin, vitamin D, or the vaccines. If they got rid of it, we should be looking at what they did. This does not make sense that we don't want to see it. Well, it does if you just consider that their interests are other than public safety. And the problem is, Dr. Gupta, I don't even think he's a bad guy. He's just in lockstep. And, I'm, and, and this is where the other thing I want to get into real quick. I know we're very long on time, and I apologize. That's okay. Um, the other thing he said was asymptomatic spread, because he said children could spread it. That's why they should get vaccinated. Nope. Nope, that's just not true. Children do not spread COVID to adults with any meaningful efficacy. And Joe Rogan actually said, uh, they, they, when Alex Berenson was on, he said, children do spread it. My, my daughter gave it to my wife. And Alex Berenson's like, look, it's possible. It's more likely your wife gave it to your daughter. And Rogan's like, no, 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 she got it first. He's like, okay, but it's a one in a million shot. It just doesn't happen. And you're in household transmission territory where you're living under the same roof. And your wife is probably taking care of your, I think, 15-year-old daughter. Okay, fine. But Dr. Gupta comes on and says that and says they could spread it asymptomatically. And he even said, according to the CDC, up to, they, they think about half of transmission or half of the cases are asymptomatic spread. Now, I'm intimately familiar with the study he is citing, and it I don't want to say anything insulting. Let's just compare the information both on the CDC website from what we've got available. The study that he is citing on the CDC website it was from March 27th, 2020. So, obviously, the most up-to-date information and data. It relied 
Entire study, 82 nursing home residents. I'm sorry, 76. Six of the residents couldn't be tested. So they tested 76 patients. 23 of the 76 came back with positive results, and 10 of them were symptomatic. 13 had no symptoms on the day of the test, but 10 days later developed symptoms. I'm sorry, 10 of them developed symptoms within seven days. So their conclusion was, number one, that half were asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, which even by these absurd numbers would mean that actually only three of them were asymptomatic out of 76. But let's not let some facts get in the way. Uh, Cycle threshold indicated a large viral load regardless of symptoms. Now, they gave ranges for median, for uh, for traditional COVID symptoms, the CT counts were somewhere between 18.6 and 29.2. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into this because this is just going to bore everybody. <laughs> but let's just say this. Here's my, here's my concern. Nursing home, skilled, nurse, skilled nursing facility, 76 total patients, close quarters when they thought that the virus was only spread through droplets and it never mentions aerosolized transmission whatsoever. On a positive PCR test that ran up to 40 cycles and anybody that tested positive counted as a case no matter what. And as we've just indicated, once you get north of 35 cycles, 98% false positive rate. So anything north of 30 is a 50-50 shot. And they counted all of it. So you had the most vulnerable population and the most closed-in conditions not accounting for aerosolized transmission, but only for asymptomatic. And then anybody that tested positive anywhere up to 40 cycles counted as a COVID, as a positive COVID test, and then they could divide it by asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic. Put another way, out of 76 people, three of them never developed symptoms despite a positive COVID test. If anything, that's remarkably low and it should have been higher. But this is what we got, and this is the data they are basing it on. Now, same website on the CDC. They cite a study called Household Transmission of SARS-CoV-2, a meta-analysis in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And this study had a meta-analysis looking at 54 different studies of household transmission of COVID covering 77,758 participants. How many more factors is 76 than 76,000? A lot. Roughly (laughs) 1,000. So, on this study, where it's in household transmission, which is the most likely and most frequent means of spread, which, again, if you're dealing with an aerosolized virus, makes total sense. Because if you and I live together, you have COVID, are we going to breathe the same air on occasion? If I mask up, is it going to stop everything from getting in me? No, I'm probably going to get it, right? If you got it, I should get it if we're living together. So, they went across and they discovered that in household transmission, Asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread combined accounted for 0.7% of all household transmission cases. So on the one hand, you have a study of 76 senior citizens living in a nursing home that does not account for aerosolized transmission that indicated a 50% asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic spread, which in reality was a 5% asymptomatic, 45% pre-symptomatic, and didn't measure spread. Didn't measure their ability. Yeah, well, the viral load was really high. Yeah, it's high in kids, too, but we know they don't spread it. Stop lying. So, compare that. 76 people in a nursing home to 77,758 people across all different populations, and it came out and said, when it came to actual spread of how people got it, 0.7 when it's the most common means of spreading COVID. More people get it from household transmission than any other means. And we're going to go with the one from the nursing home 
from March of 2020, that's what we're going to look to is more reliable data to measure the risk of asymptomatic spread? Well, only if you work for CNN. What am I missing? You're not missing anything. Oh, my God. And this is what I mean. Like, I was so excited to hear him talk in depth on Rogan because I knew it wouldn't just be boilerplate talking points. And yet it still was. And this is what I mean about when I have doubts of, man, maybe I am missing something. Maybe there is something I just don't know about. But he's citing this study. He's blaming the difference between India and England as if they're the exact same thing and they just had natural immunity. And he's still out here saying, well, even if you got all this protection inferred, conferred by a symptomatic infection of COVID-2 as a healthy, and Joe Rogan is 54, but uber healthy, and you still think that man should get vaccinated? And you're out here saying that children should get vaccinated because the myocarditis risk is higher based on VAERS? No, 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 I guess I guess my imposter syndrome was somewhat ill-suited in this case. Maybe yeah. not warranted at all because this is, in, this is just so incorrect. And, and the idea that this is going to be beneficial is crazy. It's it's he, unjustifiable. There's no way smart people can make these mistakes. I mean, not that you know, not that he is, but he can be now completely just dismissed as you know, unserious. I guess I can't believe how fast reasonably intelligent, well-meaning people turned in to brand promoters for Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson. I, like, holy crap! How have you looked into none of this company's background? Because yeah. they're not the good guys. And guess what? Neither is the government. I don't know how to tell you. Yeah. But it's oh. not just like I want to trust and I want to believe. It's if you dare question the narrative that has been bestowed upon me by Lord Anthony Fauci, then you are a heretic and I can disregard everything you say. And the response is, but no, the, the data like, oh, yeah, I'm going to believe the data that you say instead of Dr. Gupta. Like, you want to know why he's wrong? I'll lay it out. I can tell you exactly why he's wrong and what he's misinterpreting in the data. And then you could do it because, again, I know I'm not a scientist, but it's written in English and I know how to do math. And if you give me two studies, even if it was the opposite and you said, well, there's this study with 76 nursing home residents based on droplet transmission that concluded that asymptomatic spread was under 1% of the cases. And then we have a meta-analysis of almost 80,000 people and it concluded that it's actually way more prevalent. I would still tell you the other one's better science. I don't care about the conclusion. I want to know what the better factoring in goes. Like, how do you get that wrong? Yeah. How is that? They do it on purpose. How is the nursing home case? How is that, sti- the, that study still cited on the CDC website? And it still says to this day, asymptomatic cases could account for 50% of COVID. There's got to be a landing page for all the shills that are out there on Joe Rogan. So they got to go to CDC and pull oh, up these. Oh uh, my God. It's inexcusable. Like what is the CDC doing? It's not there anymore. Oh, and by the way, the JAMA thing is only on the CDC website because that little nugget on 0.7% is not the key takeaway. The key takeaway is we should be vigilant in household transmission because it's very likely. Like we got to hide the truth from the CDC. Huh? Yeah, well, I would. One thing I found interesting, and then we'll wrap up here. So, one yeah. thing I found interesting on the the Rogan uh, thing was uh, Jamie. I think his producer's name is. Um, they had mentioned that he had gotten COVID, and that you know because they have a pretty strict testing regimen yes. there for the thing they do uh, COVID testing and antibody testing, and so he has had flare ups of the antibodies, but never tested positive again. So. I had wondered if I had had COVID in January of 2020, but was being tested negative in antibodies maybe in the summer of 2020 that 
maybe they had just kind of subsided a little bit or even a year later, whatever it is. But if you are re-exposed to someone with COVID, that would be the time to get your antibody test to see if you yeah. have it. So, um, And that was one where they said that he was exposed along with like six other people and he was the only one that didn't get a yeah, positive right, test afterward. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's, I guess, you know, anecdotal to some degree, but it's anecdotal based in a bunch of, you know, seemingly like a year and a half worth of testing kind of, you know, whatever they've been doing at the Joe Rogan show seems pretty, pretty regimented. So, um, it's a good kind of little control to have whatever, you know, those guests coming in there and to have this, this producer who's getting tested regularly to, to show that the antibodies do flare up when you get, you know, he didn't know he was exposed when he was exposed. He was like, in hindsight, it turned out that he's like, Oh man, I was exposed. And they did kind of go back and correlate it with the flare up of the antibodies. So, um, if you're wondering if you've had COVID and want to get retested into your antibodies, Getting tested after you've after known exposure would probably give you the best uh, uh, avenue to pursue there. So, all right, we covered a whole hell of a lot there, Mister Hughesong. Um, I forgot to tell everybody to like and review and share the page so, or the video here. So hopefully they'll do all that on their own. You had one job. I have one job. Uh, maybe we'll get a uh, a new all time high on Bitcoin next week. Let's hope we're so. uh, still floating above sixty two thousand. I see here today sixty four eight eight nine something like that is all time high. So I literally own flirting. ten dollars of Bitcoin, so flirting. it doesn't have well, a huge impact on me. Maybe it'll be worth twelve dollars. Hey now, next week, so hey. <laughs> all right. On that note, all right. On that note, any uh, anything you want to leave folks with? I've said way too much okay. today. Anyway, all right. On that note. I want to thank you for uh, bearing with us and staying with us till the end. Uh, please like and share this video. Tell all your friends and your family if they're looking for some uh, alternative news uh, takes, uh, this is where to come. And uh, thank you for tuning in for the live show. And uh, if you are listening to the audio show, you can all do your part too and write and review. And uh, we will see you all again next Monday at 12 o'clock.